Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today, Brandon Williams shares part four of the series, Indicator. In this message, Brandon looks at the condition of our heart in regards to ambition. God desires so much for our lives, but rarely do we ever step into all that he has for us. Brandon asks the question, do you really want someone else doing what God intended for only you to do? I'm really excited about the message today, and and it's going to come out of James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and uh, we'll jump in. James chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11 is where we're going to start. Before we do that, though, I want to recognize some Chris Wolf. Where is your your bride? Stand up. Stand up, Chris. Where's Lee? Where's Lee? She's out there. She's already already walked away from me. Chris and Lee, if if you've been here very long, you remember Chris was one of our worship leaders. His bride as of last night, Lee. Yeah. There she is. Look at here. The new bride. She lost it. Uh-oh. Okay. But I just want to recognize, Chris has poured so much into this ministry. Lee has poured so much into this ministry. I just want to recognize, they got married last night and they're in church. What? Pfft, really? <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you're here, though. So it's cool, man. Glad you're here. Awesome. Congratulations. All right. Y'all can sit down now. All right, but we are glad, glad to have them, man. They're an awesome couple. God's going to do incredible things through their lives and through their marriage, and we're, we're just going to be excited to see it. James chapter 1, verse 9. It says, The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Let's pray. God, thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful for Jesus and the heart change that he brings to us, Lord. God, I'm thankful that you begin to rearrange our lives in a way that glorifies you. And Father, I pray that through your word today, we would be grown up, that we would be touched, our hearts, God, would be shaped and molded to be more and more in your image. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, maybe some of you guys can relate to this. How many of y'all remember when you were little? And, and I know for some of you that's a long time ago, right? But, but if you can remember when you were little and, and maybe you had a brother or a sister or a cousin or somebody and when they got in trouble, it was funny to you, right? Yeah, my boys that all the time, we get on to our, our, one of our sons and the other one's laughing. You know, he's like, ah, oh. and what ends up happening to the one that laughs? He gets in trouble too. And so it's like, ha, 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 oh, you want some too? That kind of thing, right? And so that's kind of how it goes. And so um, I realize this. And for me, honestly, the last two weeks when we talked about serving and giving, um, for me, those really weren't my big issues. I mean, I needed to check my heart on those because they're an indicator, but those really weren't my two big issues. And, and so it's kind of, I felt like that, that brother who was over here kind of going, ha, ha, ha. But then we got to this week. You know how everybody's got an Achilles heel? Everybody's got that weak point. Yeah, but God's been all up on my toes this week. And it's kind of like, ha, 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 oh, you want some too. It's kind of like what God did to me this week. And so we're going to talk about the next indicator, which is ambition. Ambition. And I realize, and just to be honest and transparent in my own life, this is probably my, one of my greatest weaknesses, is ambition. That I get driven, that I get, I get to go in so fast after things. That, that sometimes, man, I, I, I have to check my heart and say, is my ambition being driven by God? As we read these scriptures in James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, I mean, we're looking at these, and, and James says, listen, poor people, you ought to rejoice in the fact that you're rich. He says, rich people, you ought to humble yourselves. You ought to rejoice in, in your low position. And I was reading that the other day, and he's talking about them rich people passing away like a, a wildflower. And you remember, we established he was rich last week. And so I'm thinking, God, like, what's up with that? Am I, am I passing away? Like, I mean, because we established that we're rich. We are, we are very rich. We're blessed. And, and as I begin to look at that, one thing that I realize is God doesn't hate rich people. Remember that? We talked about it last week. God hates greed. God, God hates sin, right? And so we look at that, and as I was praying through these scriptures and studying these scriptures, what I began to realize is that James isn't saying that God hates rich people and rich people can't, you know, be, be in the kingdom of God. What he's saying is, listen, let's level the playing field here. 
You remember James is talking about trials and things. And one thing he's saying is, listen, when trials come, it doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter how much. And listen, if anything is your ambition other than Jesus, what he's saying is, is you're in the wrong place. Any ambition that does not have as its end the glorification of God is misguided mis- and, and, and it's off the mark, period. It's off the mark. And he's saying, listen, guys, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, your number one ambition should be the glorification of God, the glorification of Jesus Christ. And see, here's the deal. Ambition is not bad as long as its beginning and its end is rooted in God. As long as its beginning is rooted in a dream, an ambition, a desire that is birthed in our heart from God himself, and as long as the end result is the glorification of God. Isn't it awesome that God wants to use us to bring glory to himself? Anybody in here really feel like people look at you and they're like, you know, like, oh, look at there, there's God. I've never been confused with Jesus Christ. Nobody's ever looked at me and went, wow, is that Jesus But isn't it awesome to know that we have a God who says, I want to work in your life in such a way that when people look at you, they see something divine. That when they look at you, they they see the fruit of my spirit, which is God's character of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those things that are working out of our lives. That's pretty awesome considering what some of us have come from. That's pretty awesome considering the depths of, 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 of what we know we are capable of producing in our lives. Is it not that God would say, I want to use your life to bring me glory? That is an awesome privilege that we should not take lightly, but that we, sh- that, that, that we should honor, that we should grab hold of, that that should become our one desire is to honor God. And what James is saying is, listen, guys, whether you got a lot or a little, Your one ambition, the only ambition that's going to last, the only ambition that's going to produce fruit in your life that is going to last is going to be Jesus Christ. When he is your number one ambition, he leads you into places to do things for his glory that last for eternity. I think if we were to take a poll, everybody in here would say, I would love to make an eternal impact on the world. We have that opportunity. And it comes through Christ. It comes through Jesus. As he comes in, changes our heart begins to rearrange our DNA so that we're recreated in his image, born again in his image, so that we can then carry his glory to the world. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Pretty awesome stuff. I want to read to you out of 1 Samuel. We're going to finish up the message here in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Because I think we can learn a lot from Saul's life. You remember King Saul? He was the first king over Israel. And, And I believe we can learn a lot about what ambition does in our life if it's not rooted in God. And so I want to share some things with you out of this scripture today. And we're going to read the first seven verses, and we're going to talk about those a minute. We'll just go through chapter 15 and look at some different things, okay? Chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you, king over his people Israel. Now, now, now Saul's the king. He's been anointed king over Israel. It's his job to lead the Israelites, right? God has literally called Saul to advance his kingdom and to glorify him, glorify God through his leadership, right? Verse two, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came out. It's just funny to me that he used waylaid. I didn't know God used words like waylaid, but that's awesome. Um, as they came up from Egypt, Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women and children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim. He didn't like squirt them with mustard. He he got them together, right? 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul went to the city of of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur to the east of Egypt. But listen to that. Back up in verse 3. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children, infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Does that seem kind of harsh to anybody? Does that like, man, I read that. I was like, what? 
Because if you look at it, literally what God is saying, everything that has breath, kill it. I don't know about you, but if I'm, if I'm a, an Amalekite, I'm holding my breath. I'll be, just hold my breath. Because he said, go and kill everything that has breath. I was like, that seems so harsh. But there's some things I think we need to learn out of these scriptures. At these first seven verses that we need to get a hold of, that we need to understand. The first one is this, that God is, is he is, he is um, gosh, my mind just went blank. He is passionate. He is serious. He is intent on his people being pure. He is intent for his people. to. Be, he is serious about the purity of his people. God is serious about that. And he knew if they don't totally destroy everything, if they don't totally destroy everything, eventually their hearts are going to be turned from me and they're going to worship idols. Eventually their ambition is going to turn from me and they're going to worship idols. The second thing I believe we get out of these first seven verses is this. God is serious about the purity of his worship. About the purity of the worship that we bring to him. He knew if they don't totally annihilate these people, Eventually, their hearts are going to turn towards them, and they're going to worship idols. They're going to begin to worship their gods. Isn't it awesome to know that we have a God who's jealous for us? Isn't it awesome to know that we have a God who won't let anything stand between us and him? That no matter what it takes, he's going to come to bring us to him. That he, Listen, we didn't have to climb the mountain like Moses to get to God. God came down the mountain and got to us. Isn't it awesome to know that we serve a God that won't let a mountain stand between you and him? Glad y'all are fired up about that. It's awesome. <laughs> That's good news, man. Because here's the truth. We couldn't climb high enough to get to God. He came to us. That's the good news of Jesus. That is the good. Every other religion in the world says, do your best to get to God. And when you die, cross your fingers. Maybe you did enough. That's why it can't be truth. It's because the only way to get to God is when he comes to us. Listen, we're the ones who were lost, not God. God wasn't wandering around Bass Pro Shop not knowing where he was. Like you came around aisle 13 and you're like, whoa, there's God. He's been lost for, he's never been lost. We were the ones that were lost. And God came to us to show us the way. But he's serious about the purity of his people. He's serious about the purity of the worship that we offer him. And he's serious about his plan for the earth. You know, his plan has never changed. If you go and you look at Genesis chapter 2, what did God tell Adam and Eve? Y'all remember that? Be fruitful and multiply, right? Why did he want them to do that? Why? Because he wanted his glory to fill the earth. He wanted them because whose image were they made in? His. He wanted the glory of who he is to fill the earth so that everybody would see the glory of God. That plan's never changed. When God sent Jesus to us, his plan was he's going to go and reveal the express image of who I am. He's going to reveal every ounce of my glory. And because of his sacrifice on the cross, I'm going to purify the people. I'm going to make them whole. I'm going to make them righteous. They're going to attain righteousness they could have never had. And I'm going to place my very spirit in them, the very spirit of the living God, so that they can begin to manifest my glory in the earth. And they're going to go and punch the devil in the mouth. They're going to take back places that he's taken taken captive that, that, that doesn't belong to him and they're going to spread my glory around the world that's us that's us church that's our job that's what God's called us to do to punch the devil in the mouth and take back what belongs to God that's awesome y'all know y'all like to hit stuff that's cool we get to do that because of the power of the spirit of the living God that indwells in a temple that has been made holy, not by our works, but by Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. That is us. We get that opportunity to do that, to carry our cross, lift him high and say, if you want to know the God of the universe, you can know him. You can't get there on your own, but he's made a way for you. That should be our one ambition. That should be our heart is that we fill the earth from pole to pole and continent to continent with the glory of God. But are we surrendering ourselves? Listen, is our number one ambition to fill the earth with God's glory? 
Is that our number one ambition? I would dare say this. God never leads us into an ambition that is pointless. But if our ambition only serves our interest for 50 to 60 years, it is pointless. That's not what God's called us to. He's called us to make an impact on the earth that goes from now on, that goes into eternity, that that begins to spread the glory of God in Statesboro, Georgia, in Georgia, in the United States, all around the earth. That is our call. That is our purpose. And that should be our number one ambition. I realize in my own life, there are times when I have to check my own heart because I realized that, man, it is easy for our eyes to get focused on other things. I mean, I bet you most people in here are driven for something. We're driven for something. And you know where that mostly comes from? A search and a need for validation. Most of our ambition, when it is not directed towards God, we're still trying to validate ourselves. Let me help you with this. And let me help me with this. I need to remember this. I can't validate me. And here's the most important thing. Look to your right. Everybody look to your right. Like this. That's, this, this is your right. Right? Our little league practice. Everybody, I'm like, lean down to the right leg. And they go like this. Look to your left. Everybody look to your left. They can't validate who you are. They can't. I don't care. I don't care who they are. They can't validate you. Your friends can't validate you. Your mom and dad can't validate you. Nobody can validate you but Jesus Christ. It is only through him that you are able to stand before a holy God and not get smoked. It's Jesus. He is the only validation we need. And let me tell you something, man. We go through times in life when we're following Christ. Let me tell you, if you're following Jesus, what did they, what did they do to Jesus? They crucified him. They killed him. Had somebody share this with me between services. Because I'm going to tell you, man, I felt like this the last couple of weeks. You know what? If they tried to kill Jesus, if you're following Jesus and you're preaching truth and your life's about truth, they're going to try to kill you too. But here's the good news, guys. If you're in Christ, they can't. They can't. You know why? You're already dead. And yet alive through Christ. Isn't that awesome? They can't do it. Why do we look for validation from people that can't save us? Why do we look for validation from people who can't do anything for us? Look to the God who's validated you through Christ. And when we look at that, I mean, Romans 12 tells us what? In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. In view of what? His mercy. If we can ever get a view of what God has done for us through Jesus on the cross of Christ, then the only reasonable thing we can do is offer ourselves as living sacrifices and allow him to become our number one ambition. The only reasonable response to that is to to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, surrender to God, God being our number one ambition, that the one thing that we desire more than anything else in life is to glorify Him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, so that people can see Him and come to know Him. And man, I have to check my heart all the time. Is that my ambition? Is that my number one priority, to glorify God? It's everything from from how I treat my wife to how I raise my kids to how we run a ministry. Is it to glorify God? Is it about my kids being popular? Are my kids doing doing the things that I want them to do? Or is it about me raising them in a way that they glorify God? Is is my job about my personal success and how much money I can attain and getting the SUV and getting the 401k and getting the IRA and getting all those things? Or or is it about glorifying God? When we wake up in the morning, is our first prayer, God, help my boss not to be a jerk? Or is it, God, even if my boss is a jerk, you're bigger than my jerk boss. Let me show Jesus to him today. Because I realize my number one priority and my number one goal is not to be satisfied and just to sit on my butt and not do anything. My number one priority and my number one calling is to glorify Christ in all circumstances and in all trials. No matter what comes our way, that we lift up Christ. Let me ask you this. When the boat gets shaken, when the boat gets rocked, what comes out? What comes out? It's easy, isn't it, when things are perfect. But when things aren't perfect, what comes out when the boat gets rocked? Is it God 
Is it Christ? Are we glorifying him? Is that our number one ambition? Let's move on. Let's look at verse uh, 8, 8 and 9. He took Agog, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agog and the best sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good, these they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Have y'all ever noticed it's always the but that gets us? Have y'all ever noticed that? I would, but. You ever notice that? The but got Saul. Listen, but Saul and the army spared all the good stuff. You ever notice how the butt gets you in trouble? It's like you ask the girl out and she's like, I would love to go out with you. You're like, yes. And she goes, but. You go interview for a job. Man, we would love to have you on our team. Yeah, but. Or how about this one? Some of the people in our church are familiar with this. We'd love to drop the charges, but. Right? Yeah, we got, y'all, some of y'all are like, amen to that, man. I thought I was off. Yeah. We love to drop the shark. It's always the but. And when we come to God so many times, I would surrender, but I would follow him, but it's always the but that gets in the way. And, and this is what happens with Saul. The but got in the way, man. He was there and he was unwilling to kill everything that was good. You know, one realization I've come to in life, the things that we aren't willing to destroy will ultimately destroy us. The things we aren't willing to destroy will ultimately destroy us. Anything that we allow to get between us and God will ultimately destroy us. What are you holding on to that you're not willing to destroy? What is it that we're keeping from God that we're not willing to destroy? See, listen, here's the deal. We don't mind giving away stuff we don't want, do we? We don't mind that at all. We love doing that. I mean, like if we go to a restaurant and I order like a, a cheeseburger basket with fries, right? I love French fries. And you reach across the table and you grab my pickle off of my cheeseburger platter. I'm fine with that. I don't want the pickle anyway. The only reason I would eat the pickle is because I was starving. If you go eat lunch with me and I eat the pickle, I was hungry, right? Because I don't even like the pickle. But if you reach across the table and you grab my french fries, I'm going to stab your hand and pin it to the table. (laughs) Because I love french fries. And honestly, I'm not willing to give them to you. Dake and I will have fights, man, over french fries. And, And I would stab, why? Because I like french fries. That's why when I put my pants on in the morning, it looks like I got one of those rubber floaties around my waist because I love French fries. <laughs> I love them. We don't want to part with the things that are, are good to us. We don't want to part with the things that, that mean something to us. And the problem with it is that becomes our ambition and our ambition ultimately leads to our destruction. The things that we're not willing to destroy will in the end destroy us. Anything that comes between us and God in the end is ultimately going to rob us of the life that God wants us to have. Let's keep moving. Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I'm grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. So he had clear instructions from the Lord. Samuel was troubled, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. Next thing I would ask you is this, is our ambition, is it birthed from God's word or is it birthed from the culture around us? Is our ambition birthed from God's word? Saul had clear instructions. Or is it birthed from the culture around us? Culture can tell us a lot of stuff, can it? It can tell us a lot of things that that is just not true. It'll tell you what car to drive. It'll tell you what kind of girl to date. It'll tell you how to live your life. And, And it's not true. Is our ambition birthed from God's word and his instruction to us? Or is it birthed 
from the culture around us? Is, is our ambition birthed from God's plan to glorify himself throughout the earth, or is it birthed from our own plan? Listen, is our ambition birthed from an encounter with Jesus Christ, or is it birthed from our own desires? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Because God, would, he desires that we would press into him and that he could birth a holy ambition in our lives. That he could birth something in our lives that's worth living for, that's worth dying for, that's worth giving our lives for. But is, it, is our ambition being birthed from him and his word and his plan? Because I can tell you this, his word reveals his plan, but any ambition that does not advance his plan of glorifying himself in the earth is worthless. And it may sound harsh, but I can tell you this. If our life doesn't exist and it's not serving the purpose of advancing his glory in this world and our ambition is not to exalt Christ and exalt God, then we are wasting our lives. We're wasting them. We're absolutely throwing them away. Have y'all ever noticed, I don't know if you've ever had anybody like this before, you know, probably most of you have. Have you ever had that person that would call you like um, just out of the blue, maybe you hadn't talked to them for a couple of years, and they call you, and you're like, you're feeling all blessed, man, because you're like, man, they thought about me. After all this time, they called me. And then you're talking to them, and they're like, you know, how's your mom and them? Oh, they're good, they're good. Well, how, how's the wife? Oh, they're good, they're good. How's your kid? Oh, man, they're awesome, they're awesome. So what you been up to? Oh, I've been doing this, 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 this. And then they go, Oh, by the way, right? That's another one of those phrases. If you hear it, that's when you go, oh, man, I'm losing sick. Oh, I can't hear you. And you hang up. Because it's never good when somebody says, oh, by the way. But those people that call you and you think they're catching up and then they've got the oh, by the way. I had one guy like that in, in my life who, who would call me about once a year. And every time he called, I finally learned after the second or third time. I'm a little slow. It takes me a while. And, and I finally learned after like the second or third time when he called, he needed a job. Right? He'd call him and be like, hey man, what's going on? How you doing? I'm like, good man. He's like, good. Talking. He's like, oh, by the way, I need a job. Be the only way I can get a job. And so finally, you know one of the best things in life is the ignore button on your phone. Have y'all figured that out? Like, you don't have to answer that thing. It is awesome. You just hit, poof, it goes right to voicemail. And you don't have to return that, right? And, and so I just started sending it to voicemail because I knew he didn't want anything to do with me. He wanted something from me, right? That was the only purpose in calling. But I wonder how many of us are like that with God. That the only time God's phone rings is when we need something. That the only time we actually go to God is when we say, um, by the way, God, I love you. I thank you. Oh, man, Jesus is awesome, by the way. God, you're amazing. Thank you for dying on the cross, by the way. And I'm not saying God doesn't want us to bring our request to him. It just shouldn't be the only reason we go to God. That's a great check of our ambition. And that's a great check of our heart. It's the only time I go to God is when I'm pulling him out of my pocket like a lucky rabbit's foot and hoping he'll give me what I want. For real. Is it? Is, is that the only time I'm going? Is, is, is the only time I'm going to the Word? Is, is it when I, I'm in despair and, and I need some, Listen, man, we ought to be pressing into God, not because of what He can give us, but because of who He is and because our one ambition is to know Him more. That's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be pressing into Him because He is the God of the universe. He created you. He loves you. And if you're in Christ, He redeemed you. Don't you want to know Him? Yeah. That ought to be our ambition. That ought to be our purpose. It's just to know Him. Just to know Him. And we go into the Word of God. You know, you know if you go into the Word of God just, just, just looking for a Band-Aid, I can't promise you a whole lot. But if you go into the Word looking for God, you'll find Him every time. If you'll go into the Word looking for God, you will find Him every time. When we raise our hands, listen, because we love, I love to come in and raise my hands in worship. I love it, man. I just love, it's just like an act of surrender for me. First time I did it, I was like, I was so freaked out. So I was kind of did like the half thing, you know. And then I kind of graduated to this, <laughs> kind of like that. Because I grew up in a church, and if you raised your hand in worship, they thought you had a question, right? <laughs> so, so, like, the church I went to when we went was like, always, if you raised your hand, it was like, son, we'll, we'll answer that afterwards, but please don't interrupt the worship service, Right? And, and so, so I, I didn't get that. 
But, but I love to come in and I love to worship and raise my hands and I love to praise God because I know what God did for me. I know what he's done for me. But here's the question that God dropped in my heart this week. When you raise your hands, are you raising them because you want to see my glory and you want my glory to rest upon you? Or is it when you raise your hand, you just want my gold? Is it about his glory or his gold? What are we after? Do we come to God for who he is and what he's done? Or do we come to God for what he might give us? Because I think there's a huge difference. Is our ambition in coming to Christ, is our ambition in living for God, is it so that we can glorify Him and so that we can advance Him in the world? Or is it because we need something from Him? He's already given us everything. He gave us Jesus, His Son. His first, His best, His only. He gave it. We are rich. My question to you right now is this. Is He enough? Is He enough? Yes, he's enough. He is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. No matter what comes your way, no matter what you're facing, God is enough. No matter what you think is going to happen, no matter how bleak the circumstances look, no matter how hard you feel your back is against the wall, God is enough. And in Christ, you are rich and you've received every spiritual blessing and an incredible inheritance in Christ that we don't deserve. Isn't it awesome that God says, I'm going to give you everything I got? That's our inheritance. That's pretty cool. We would flip out if we had a rich relative that left us a million dollars. I would. I'd be like, I'd be dancing the jig, man. But like, that is awesome. I can't dance, but when I quit drinking, I, lost, I forgot how to dance. I don't know what happened. It's like, I don't know if I could ever, ever actually dance. I think it was just when I was drinking, I thought I could dance. I don't, I don't know. But when I quit, I, I don't dance anymore. But I, would, I think I would seriously dance if... I, a rich relative left me a million dollars. But when we think about all that God has given us, why don't we dance? Why don't we rejoice, man? He has given us so much in Christ. He has given us so much. We ought to be going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because of what God's done for us. Listen, one thing I've got to ask you because I think it, this, this may be the, the greatest indicator in this, in this message. If every dream and every ambition that you have for your life, every dream and every ambition that you have ever thought for your life were fulfilled, who would be glorified? Who would be glorified? Because if it's not God, then our heart's in the wrong place. And we need to come to the point of realizing, listen, Jeremiah 17, 9 says it. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Literally, it means the heart is sick. And he says, who can cure it? Who can cure it? We know the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus can change our hearts. I know this because he changed mine. Friday, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Anybody get an April Fool's joke Friday? Yeah, I got some I'm going to get some revenge on, just so you know. If you pull one on me, I will get revenge. That whole forgiving thing, uh, it ain't, I'm going to get some revenge and then I'll forgive you. I mean, that's, Christ, that's the Christian way anyway, right? And so, so here's the deal. I got some April Fool stuff, but you know what's awesome? April 1st, it was 11 years to the day that God absolutely wrecked my life for Jesus. 11 years. 11 years. And, and here's the thing that I realized is that if God can change my heart, he can change anybody's heart. I know the depths of depravity that I can fall to. I know what I'm capable of. And if God changed my heart, listen, wouldn't it make sense that I'd want to live for him? What is the book of James? James chapter 1, if you read on past verse 11, what does he say our desires lead us into? Temptation. And what does temptation lead us into? Sin. And what does sin lead us into? Death. Do we really want to follow our desires? No, I know what my desires are. My desires woke me up in Beaumont, Texas with my head hanging over the back of a bar stool or the back of a bar chair. That's what my desires produced. You think I want to follow those desires? I don't want to follow. You know what? If Jesus hadn't come into my life, I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't have any kind of ministry. I'd probably be dead in a gutter. Do you think maybe that's why I'm a little bit passionate about Jesus Christ? Because he saved my life. He changed my heart. 
And the thing that you need to realize, and I want every one of you looking at me right now because this is eternally important, he'll change your heart too. Don't you accept this this lie of the devil that says he can't change me. I don't care who you, what you've done, who you've done it with, what you've thought, what you've said, where you've been. Jesus can change your heart. Jesus will change your life. I can't give you a 10-step process to live the best life you've ever dreamed of. I can give you a one-step process. It's surrender to Christ. That's the step you need to take. That's the next step for many of us in this room today. Because for many of us, and I'm just going to tell you the truth, many of us have been playing a religious game thinking it's going to get by, but there's going to be many people that stand before God and say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. My question is this, is your ambition to know him? Because if it's not to know him, then I have to wonder, are you going to stand there and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or are you going to stand there and hear, depart from me because I don't know you? Point number three. (laughs) Verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. Look, he's already throwing it off. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord. But we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Here's the next question. Are ambitions blinding us to reality? Are ambitions... I mean, Saul, he sees Samuel coming down the road and he's like... Man, it's good to see you. I carried out the Lord's mission. And Samuel's like, why don't I hear them sheep over there? You don't have any sheep. Where'd the sheep come from, Saul? He's like, hey, I've carried out the Lord's mission. He's like, shut them up. He's like, I did it. And we believe, man, are we not awesome at believing half-truths? Are we not incredible at rationalizing the way we want to do things around God's word so that we can do what we wanted to want to when we know the whole time we're not really carrying out God's mission? Listen, remember this step on my toes. Are we not awesome at that? We are so good at that. Christians are the best at that, at rationalizing half truths so that we feel better about ourselves. I mean, I see it almost every week. I'll preach a message on, on something, and in the message, I'll say, now, you don't need to live together. Listen, honor the Lord with your bodies. Get married and then move in. Honor the Lord, honor the Lord, honor the Lord. And then I'll never fail. I'll have somebody come up and go, did you really mean, like, don't live together? Because we really love each other. Is it different if we really love each other? As if the Bible changed, Right? Or, or, or I'll preach a message on, on tithing. And I'm like, it's 10% of you gross. Come on, now, do we really want to give less than that to God? Come on, we're giving out of grace. God's grace is huge. Let's give. Let's advance the kingdom. And I'll have somebody come up and say, are you sure it's 10% of the gross? No, I just said that to 500 people so they could all get pissy with me. Right? Because this is all just really, just I'm making this up as we go. Right? No, it doesn't change. It's the truth. It's the Bible. And we need to understand that there is still truth in the world today. And God still wants us to live by that truth. And the truth is we can't do it apart from Christ. Apart from Jesus, we can't live it. Apart from Jesus, we can't do it. But Jesus comes and he cleanses us. The temple of the Holy Spirit places his spirit inside of us and then says, now you can live it. Focus on me. Don't put your focus on all this external stuff. Focus on me. Press into me. I'll make me your number one ambition and I'll change your life forever. And that's what God's calling us to. Not to rationalize half-truths. I had a friend of mine who Let's just say he was growing marijuana in his closet, right? And the GBI, FBI, whoever it was, came in. And they came in and they opened his closet. 
and he had the lights and everything set up, right? And, and he's growing marijuana in his closet. And it wasn't like one place. He had a good crop growing in his closet. <laughs> and the FBI, GBI, they, they come in, and they're like, son, what is this? As if they didn't know. But they say, son, what is this? And he looked at him and said, okra. They said, son, really, what is that? He said, okra. They said, son, that is marijuana. He said, no, it's not, it's okra. And they said, son, that is marijuana. That is pot. And he's like, well, the man that sold it to me told me it was okra. (laughs) And you know what? No matter how hard he denied the truth, no matter how hard he tried to say it was okra, it was marijuana. And no matter how hard we try to deny the truth, it's the truth. And the best thing we can do is submit our lives to the truth. The best place for us to be is submitted to God's truth. The best plan for your life. Do you really want to settle for your dream when you can have God's? No. God's dream is so much bigger for us, so much better for us. And you know what? If it's washing people's feet, if we're doing it to the glory of God, his plan is the best plan we could possibly have. Doesn't matter what it is. If it's serving the poor, then I can tell you this. You will find more fulfillment and more more purpose in that than working for a Fortune 500 company. Because you're doing what God desires for you to do. And you're fulfilling the plan of Jesus Christ, which is to carry his glory from pole to pole and continent to continent around the world so that others come to know him and he reveals himself through you, through you. Let's keep going. Verse 17. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people. The Amalekites, make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. I doubt that's really why they took them. I mean, I think he's still rationalizing. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the voice of the Lord? So he's saying, even if you did bring them back, you still disobeyed him. He doesn't care about your sacrifice as much as he cares about you doing what he told you to do. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Samuel is still trying to justify himself. He's still trying to say, listen, I did this. I did what the Lord told me to do. And then Samuel's like, Saul, you haven't. And then Saul finally goes, okay, okay, I messed up. But go back and let me worship with you. If you read on, the reason he wants to go back and worship is simply because he wants to look right in front of all the people. He wants to impress the people again. And I wonder about this. Listen, when we come to the Lord, when we come to God and we, we realize that, that there's sin, there's something that's not right in our life, we're disobedient to God, do we come to Him because we got caught? Or do we come to Him because we believe His way is the best way? Because I believe that Saul right here came back, and, and he didn't come back because he was sorry that he had disobeyed God. He came back because he was caught. How many times do we do that? We come to God when we realize, man, I'm busted. Can't get out of this. And so we come to him because we got caught. It's one of those things where is our heart really to please God or is it just to get by? Is our heart really to honor him with our lives? Is our ambition to honor him with who we are and the lives we're living? Or is it, man, if I can do this and just not get caught? You know, one of the lies of the Christian church, and we're going to talk about this in this series coming up, is that as long as I look good on the outside, it don't matter what's on the inside. 
That's a lie from the pit of hell. We try to work our faith from the outside in, and Jesus says it works from the inside out. When we come to God and we realize we've been disobedient, we've done, our ambition is not him in spreading his glory. Do we come to him because we are remorseful for disobeying, or do we come to him because we're sorry we got caught? I think it's a huge, huge question to ask because it's an indicator of our heart. Let's read the last section here. Verse 27, as Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of him, the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he he is not a man that he should change his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring me Agai, king of the Melekites. Agai came to him confidently. Listen, Agai thinks he's, in, he's, he's cool, man. He's like, I got this. Thinking, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agai to death before the Lord. At Gilgal. And when I read that this week, it just jumped all over me. And what I felt like the Lord dropped in my heart as I was reading that was do you want somebody else to finish your job? Do you want to live a life that that I have to send somebody else to do the work I gave you to do? Because I don't believe Samuel went back with Saul so that he could, could honor God. I believe Samuel knew that his worship was empty. I believe Samuel went back with Saul so he could finish the job that was given to him. I would say this, I don't want somebody else to finish the job and the work that God's given me to do. I don't want to get to the end of my life, and I would dare say you probably don't either, and have lived my life in such a way that, that I didn't complete the things that God had for me to do that I didn't fulfill everything that God desires for me to do in this life and here's the thing we can't do people we can't get to a place where we think well God's not going to use me God the only way God's not going to use you is if you don't let him that's the only way and when God, when Christ becomes our one ambition, our ambition is just to know him and know him more, that he begins to change our heart. He, he gives us a holy ambition to live for. And if you'll press into God, get in his word, hit your knees and pray, not to see what you can get from God, but to see what he wants to tell you. Let him implant a vision into your heart. Let him impart his plan into your life and come up with this holy ambition that God wants for you and begin to go out and do it. God wants to plant his ambition in your heart so that his glory is magnified in all the earth. That's his desire. And listen to me again, guys. It doesn't matter where you've been. The past is done. What matters is where you're going. But too often we allow our past to shape our future. And the past is done. When you come to Christ, he draws a line in the sand and he says, that's it. Move forward. The past is the past. Now go and serve me. Live for me. Listen, let me be your number one ambition so that you can do everything that I need you to do. So that my glory can reign supreme in the earth. That's what he's calling us to, guys. That's what he's calling us to today. It's an opportunity to to have our hearts changed, to be born again. Because honestly, when we were born the first time, spiritually, we were still born. We were dead. But because of Jesus, and listen, Jesus didn't wait until we got our lives cleaned up. The Bible says that even while we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You know who the ungodly is? He died for us. That's the ungodly. And all we got to do is come to him right now, right? I mean, right. If, if you don't know him personally, you realize, I don't know him. Today is your day. Today is your day that Jesus can revolutionize your life, change your heart, and, and, and absolutely blow you away with the ambition he places in your heart and the dream he places in your heart. And I can tell you this, following God may not always be perfect. It may not always be easy, but it's always worth it. 
you will not get to the end of your life having served God and regret that you served him. I guarantee you. I just, I, I, I know. I had never got, I've never gotten to the end of my life, but I can tell you I don't regret serving God for 11 years. And I can tell you this, it's, it's not been perfect. There's been times, in fact, I can tell when God is about to do something incredible because I can feel the pressure that, that the devil begins to bring against us. But you know what I go back to? I'm a child of God. If God is for me, who's going to be against me? If God's for me, who's going to stop me? If I'm doing God's plan, you know what? He's going to bust open the gates of hell and bring the captives out. That's what he desires to do. And that's what he desires to do in your life. All we got to do is surrender it. That God would make himself our number one ambition. This is the thing I want to tell you. You don't know Jesus. You don't have that personal relationship with God. You can know him today. You can begin a journey that changes your heart and your life today. Because when we say that Jesus is Lord and we believe that we, he was raised from the dead... The same power that raised Jesus from the dead comes to live in us. And he begins to change our life and our heart. And that's the good news of Christ. And then we get to carry his glory forward. If you don't know him today, you can. This is what I'm going to ask you in a moment. We're going to take communion. But if you don't know him and you want to make him Lord of your life, I'm going to be sitting somewhere up here on the front row. Come and find me. And we'll come down here and we'll pray and we'll seal the deal and we'll make this thing official. And you can walk out of here a new person, a new creation. The old will be gone and the new will come. Isn't it awesome that we have a God who set aside all of his own personal ambition, that set aside everything and came to us, laid it down. Listen, in in the garden before he died on the cross for us, he said, God, if there's another way, if there's a plan B, let's do that but not my will, but your will be done. And he set aside his own personal interest and died for you and I, put the wrath of God that we deserved and gave us the life that we didn't deserve. That's the guy we're about to celebrate through communion.